Last night, Tanisra spoke about the importance in this path of awakening of uh, not imagining that we can just go up and out, just uh, bypass our stuff, just uh, go to, to the peaceful, that that has problems in it. She, she spoke about the importance of patient, kind, bearing with, welcoming, being with, the ordinariness, the messiness, the not as we wish it was, isness of just our life, you know, the humanity of good practice, somehow gathering in our humanness into this fear of uh, contemplation. Yet this can be confusing sometimes because we've been, you know, talking about uh, letting go, seeing things as all inherently ephemeral, insubstantial, unreliable, empty. Talking about wisdom, talking about compassion, it can, it can be confusing. I'd like to also speak a little bit about uh, the relationship of the various practices that we've been contemplating uh, using a um, saying from a marvelous, awakened uh, contemporary saint who died a few decades ago uh, in the Hindu tradition, Sri Nisargadatta. He said, uh, Wisdom says I'm nothing or not a thing. Compassion says I'm everything. Between these two banks, the life of the awakened one flows. Wisdom says I'm not a thing, I'm nothing. Compassion says I'm everything. Between these two banks, the life of the awakened one flows. We've spent a good part of the retreat uh, learning how to make contact, cultivating our capacity to be in contact with the suchness of our life through mindfulness, beginning with the simplicity of mindfulness of body, one step at a time, remembering, ah, I'm here, I'm sitting, I'm standing, I'm walking, I'm lying down. And that in that steadiness, uh, perhaps uh, we can get a feeling for being present for our life and even learning how to relax, having moments of ease, gatheredness, centeredness around the ordinariness. As we get more skill, even that can be transformed into a pleasing abiding as we get a feeling for the, the unification of a heart that's with what we're doing. Then we 
when we look more closely into what it is we're mindful of, and even more closely at that tranquility or that calm, we, we begin to see the changing nature. The in-breath dissolves. It's the out-breath. Out-breath disappears. It's the in-breath. The happy state dissolves. The unhappy state that seems so interminable melts into something else. So when we start to see that uncertainty, thisness, otherwiseness, things in the recognition that ultimately there's nothing to grasp. So, so we've been practicing noticing the stress that comes for looking for certainty where it isn't. That's called recipe for suffering. And, and beginning to have moments of letting go Realizing there's no thing that we can really get hold of. Even success is vibrating. Failure. Being happy. Being unhappy. So as we let go of the imagining there's really something to get, we, we can notice an underlying spaciousness. It's always been here. Our ground. It's wide without a boundary. So sometimes we we talk about letting go. And the diligent disciple writes down, Master says, let go. And we, we, we can experience the peace from letting go, the ease from letting go. But letting go can also be be clouded it can also be tinged with, with uh, just not wanting that. Could, we, could you go a little faster in keeping things uh, over there? And so we just uh, won't, we're still holding. We're letting go of maybe some things, but we're still, there's clinging and there's aversion. As Tanisra spoke, uh, you know, last night, some things we just don't want to deal with. Well, we think we're free. I just won't deal with that. Yeah, I'm absolutely free at ease, yeah. Perfectly at ease. A whole aspect of our being locked into keeping something at bay and we relax. We get overwhelmed. Find somebody to blame. You attacked me. We've been keeping something, pushing it away. We relax. So aversion is actually being stuck on things, creating an in here, out there. So sometimes when we, we, that's when the Buddha teaches about welcoming, embracing, because our, 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 we, we've taken a limitation to be me, and all limitations are essentially not what we think they are. They're changing. They're not substantial. So we welcome, embrace, make space for. And then again, the diligent disciple says, oh, yeah. Master says, embrace, make space for. Then we can get argue. No, Buddha says, let go. There it is. See, said it right there. Letting go. And someone else points and says, no, the Buddha says, uh, all living beings, holding all living beings with kindness in your hearts. It's embracing. 
sit there and argue. Is it this? Is it that? Is it, is it the Buddha just confused? God, this is really confusing. Teacher's confused. Simple analogy Ajahn Chah gave us is, uh, you know, if he's behind his disciples and noticing that, and they're walking down the road and they're veering off to the left, lapsing into the mire, getting stuck in the ditch on the left side, he'll say, go right. When they start to get veer off to the right side, get stuck in the ditch on the right, get confused on what's happening, he'll say, go left. It's about balancing. It's called a middle way. You know, we have phrases like let go, phrases like embrace. It's one mind, one heart. We're becoming agile, more aware of the yoga, the yoga of the heart, the yoga of the mind-heart, the yoga of our humanity that, that can hold on and steady and investigate and let go and notice that depth of the ocean. It's not, you can notice that stillness, that depth of the ocean. But sometimes when we go to the emptiness, the spaciousness, we, we, we want to pretend there aren't any waves. We don't want waves, we don't want stuff. And we have to then be reminded again to embrace. But when we embrace, when we make space for, it's also very easy to get attached, get locked in. And then, then we remember, hold more lightly, let be, let go. Holding, letting go, holding, letting go. Our, our, our practice is balance. The wisdom articulation, the wisdom words are, are, are about the letting go to experience that undying, ever-present, like even with the waves of my thoughts right now, the sound of the weather, subtle background, rain, and the movement of the thoughts. If we hold that movement lightly, we can sense that there's something that remains, that's steady, that's underlying where the waves of each thought, each sound dissolve back into a presence, an awareness. We, we, we can notice that. But we can get so attached to that peacefulness that we can, without really knowing it, we don't want to be distracted, have it contact. And it's important to welcome again. Our peacefulness is not apart from sound. It's not apart from feeling. Tanisra last night spoke about that in this path we encounter some, you know, lines drawn in water and they're pretty easy and we, we get some confidence. Wow, that was there and then it's, whew, it's gone. Some drawn in sand, we had to work pretty hard. The, you know, someone that took our seat, our zafu, I mean my zafu. I had my energy in it. Not just a little bit. I'm, I'm talking, you know, I'm talking some samadhi power in that zafu. Someone's after they're trying to eat my power. I can't, I can't believe it. I don't know. And we start going like that. And then finally, you know, we start catching ourselves. Oh, come on, kitty. So, I mean, maybe my zafu could bless somebody else. And, 
and we start laughing at ourselves. Me blessing somebody else? Okay. And then it's a line in sand, you know, we're smoothing that out, and okay, all beings can have my zafu. <laughs> you know, so, you know, and then we feel, wow, things do change. But we do come against these, you know, lines drawn in the rock, in the stone. Yeah. You know. <laughs> And, and they're, un, they're gone. They're not there all the time, but there's what the Buddha called them anusaya. They go to sleep sometimes. They're underlying. It literally means underlying. They're not gone. They're potentialities in the jitta, in the heart. It's a karmic conditioning. She called it sankara. The Buddha called it sankara, patterning. And then our buttons get pushed. It's a good, good analogy. The the configuration of sights and sounds ting. And, there it, and they wake up. And then right there, oh God, I'll never be able to do it. Never. Everybody's got the Buddha nature but me. I mean, I'm laughing, but you know, it really just feels overwhelming and, and horrible and, and, and self-hatred or or just fevered sense of impoverishment inside, and I've just got to have, it's something out there that I've got to have. Or just aversion that just wants to destroy so that I can get away. Or just wanting not able to feel. And those, those deep sankharas, the Buddha talked about kindness is very, 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 very important. It softens the heart, these boundaries. When you try to bully those tendencies, what happens when we, when we get hurt? We get hit. There's a natural clenching around it. It's natural and it's protective. It's part of healing when we get hit. When we protect our vulnerable, we roll up like an armadillo. And we protect the pain. And that's a part of the healing. But then in a normal, safe environment, we start to relax and there's a healing again. But we can kind of roll up around our wounds and, and then we, we get stuck there. And if, and if, and if when around something that's vulnerable, if somebody's coming at you and it feels like an attack, what do we do? We immediately create a wall. So when we try to bully others and bully ourselves, it thickens the distance, the wall. And there, there is place in this life for, you know, strength and really addressing things straight on. But if that's our only gear, especially when we're working with these deep, deep sankharas in ourselves and others, we, we, we tend to just thicken them, concretize them. I'm this way, they're that way. Kindness is about, it's like this and welcoming it, not pretending to like it, But as our teacher said, the, the, the essence of kindness, our teacher in the monastery, our Western teacher, Ajahn uh, Sumedho, when we were in the monastic life, talked about uh, peacefully coexisting, 
looking at the tendency to add aversion to something. It's not pretending to like these orphans. But can we at least listen? Like Kuan Yin, where we bow in the morning, bowing into that that listens at ease. Can we have a moment of more relaxing, just allow that aversion, that self-disparagement, that fevered desire, that loneliness. Allow it to be listened to. Give it space. Rather than patting our foot, waiting for it to go, having all the time in the world to be with that. This practice of of, uh, kindness, very important. I used to think, uh, because I, early on I got a taste for samadhi, a taste for tranquility. I want, I like the wisdom teachings, the emptiness teachings, the breaking through. And so for, you know, quite a while, myself and some other the Yang meditators in the in the tradition, we saw metta practice as a kind of for for the old ladies. <laughs> may I be well? May you be well? May all beings be well? <laughs> That's all right, but come on, who's going to get in there and do the work? And uh, you know. But when you, you know, when you, when you fight the battles and keep losing and keep losing and, and, and get hammered down, you know, at some point it starts to, you start to remember that actually, the, you know, the Buddha made a big deal of this. He said, uh, he's saying to his monks, took me a while to hear it, monks, if a bhikkhu, that's the name for a monk, cultivates loving-kindness for as long as a finger snap. He is called a bhikkhu. He is not destitute of deep tranquility meditation. He carries out the master's teaching. He responds to advice. He does not eat the alms food of the country in vain. So what should be said of those who make much of this teaching of kindness? Even a finger snap of kindness the essential kind I'm talking about. It's not just trying to pretend we like everything. Notice what happens when we concretize. That's the bad stuff. This is me. It's these walls. A moment of allowing, of welcoming, practicing being at ease with what moves through. Wellness is the space of kindness and practicing being at ease. So what we've put out there then becomes an object in the heart. but that we have a kindred. It becomes part of this one heart. Because in practicing kindness, our well-being is not depending on having what I like, not getting rid of what I don't like. The well-being is we're practicing being at ease with whatever moves through the heart. Nice things moving through the heart that are pleasing, listen at ease. The great bodhisattva of kindness and compassion listens at ease to the sounds of the world. The orphans, the, the kind of stuff that we can say, ooh, yuck, you know, a poisonous snake, or 
um, spider or, or the states of mind that uh, something we don't like. We're not pretending to like it, but look at the yuck that just throws it over there. What do we actually practice not adding any ill will? All beings feel. Do we like pain? We don't want to inflict pain on others. So at least, even someone we don't like, we can still invite them to tea, offer them a space. But if we just finger wagging, you should be like this and you should be like that, that thickens us up. We do that to ourselves. It thickens up the walls, the rebellion of the heart. The chitta does not like to be bullied. We can check it out. But when we practice a moment even of being at ease, allowing, it takes us to a, a wide place. The, um, some of you have heard me before, have heard this story, but uh, it's the archetypal story for me in my life of how, how, how this works. Um, the softening of the heart with kindness rather than trying to bully things away that we don't want. I used to be a prison chaplain when I was a monk, going to prison to meet with prisoners who were interested in meditation. I was the abbot of a little monastery in southwest England, in Devon. And uh, I, I used to visit uh, Laverne Monastery uh, and then Exeter, I mean Laverne Prison, and then Exeter uh, Prison. And then uh, once I was invited to this, at the time, I think it was a high security prison on Dartmoor in a place called Princetown. Um, Dartmoor Prison, and the prisoners weren't allowed to meet in groups. But it was the full moon of May, and the prisoners had expressed an interest in uh, Buddhism, and the country authorities were starting to realize it wasn't fair to just say, yeah, you can meet about religion if you're Christian, or if you're this, or if you're that. But, you know, the Buddhists started saying, hey, what about us? And so they got permission for me as a monk to come and allow some of the prisoners to meet in a group. So I had my security clearance as a uh, prison chaplain and I was going through all this, this, this bleak moor and this gray and gray stone walls and all the barbed wire and, and then you know, I got led through the different places and back into a kind of stony-faced guards and then got led back to a room. Um, and then, you know, inside the room was this uh, ten prisoners or so that had been allowed to meet as a group for the first time. You know, didn't quite know what, how to start off, but, you know, I probably said something like, how you doing, and hello. And meanwhile, as we're doing that, the guards outside, they were guarding us. See, we got, were planning a riot or something. They saw me in my monk's robe and thought I was a Hare Krishna, so they started mocking, mocking, saying, Hare, 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 How's Harry? Have you seen Harry? I don't know about Larry or something. <laughs> in, in their own accents, which I wasn't, I'm not able to do. But that was a little irritating. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, and I, and I was a, a little 
throne. Uh, but I thought, all right, let's practice some metta meditation. <laughs> Be kind to that. And, you know, let's just practice being kind to how it is now. And then one of the guys in the group, the guy to my right, who was named Arthur, he said, I don't have any kindness. He said, if I had the chance, I'd break his neck again. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> part of me's thinking, well, this is really swinging along. <laughs> Um, but I, I just said, you know, can you have, can you allow that conviction that you don't have any compassion and any kindness? Can you just let that be? Can you actually, we're not pretending here, we're not pretending that anything, we're not even pretending that we like these guards mocking us out there, but can we practice letting it have the space for allowing it, not adding to aversion. If we feel aversion, then we're practicing kindness to the aversion, allowing it, allowing it, practicing being at ease with the sounds of the world. We did that. We, we, we started doing that. And it was, uh, you know, one of these magic, magic moments where, where you know, we, we, the walls of the prison melted. And uh, Arthur started crying, and the and we got bigger and bigger, just allowing the mocking guards, allowing being kind to the Arthur sobbing and being with our bodies and being just with the stuff and allowing and allowing and allowing and allowing, just being with, not controlling it, just reminding ourselves, okay, can we relax with that? Relax with that. Be with that. And it was a meltdown. It was really, wow. And after we did that for a while, it was so beautiful, the, the, the different, I realized, you know, you can say prisoner and murderer and this and that, but, you know, we, we found our kinship, our, our place of, of where we connect. And, uh, you know, by rather than trying to convince himself of this and that, you know, Arthur saw that when you just allow that conviction that I, that it softened. And so for a time, we weren't in prison. And as we were walking out and the guards who had been mocking us, you know, we weren't adding any ill will to them practicing that, but for those moments, they were locked into their prison for those moments. Them and us and all that. For those moments, we were, and yeah, these guys were still locked up, but they had seen the, the transcendence that comes from heart of kindness. The walls of the mind that are created by our opinions of ourselves and others. You know, it's uh, very, very powerful. And so we can actually practice, practice opening, welcoming. And this is not far away from our other, uh, other practices. It's right, you know, still just being with standing and sitting and walking. Being, but then notice sometimes in our desire to get to the good stuff, we, we're not really aware of, of the aversion 
ironically, you know, later, I'm a slow learner, you know, the, 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 the Buddha taught that actually if we practice kindness, then we, we learn to get deeper and more easily concentrated. Because when we're, you know, welcoming the sound, welcoming the feelings, the distractions, oh, there they are, okay, okay. Okay, in that easeful place of acceptance, being in contact with how things are, then it's then it's easier to establish centeredness. And we practice holding, steadying, letting go, relaxing, welcoming. Relaxing, welcoming. Even a finger snap of that is powerful because it starts to cut through the separations. The Buddha also said a finger snap of noticing impermanence is immensely powerful because it starts to cut through the concretization, the sense of there really is something to get hold of. You start to see change, it helps us let go to that place where all things merge. Then, as I've been saying, we tend to forget and think that we just keep the bad stuff away. Then it's important to welcome. And even a finger snap of welcoming. Why is it so important? Because it gets us beyond our contraction. It allows the heart to include, to include the orphans, the what we don't like. So seeing change, the letting go, and welcoming all take us to the same place. Take us to the unbounded heart. So practicing today steadying ourselves as we have been. It's like this now. But encourage the heart. Practice encouraging the heart. Can I, whatever is here, can I practice at least not harboring ill will toward it? Maybe there already is restlessness. Can we say, oh, okay. Let's give space to that. Or even ill will. Oh, I don't know if to I still think that kindness practice is a bit soppy. And that, that resistance, can we be interested in enough to, to allow it? To realize resistance moving through the heart. That allowing gives us a deeper place of abiding, a place that's learning to be at ease with whatever moves through the heart how the body is right now. Can we welcome the sensations, some of which are pleasing and neutral and displeasing? It's like this. May I be at ease with this, for this moment. May I listen at ease to these feelings, being with them. The sense of being a room with others, Maybe feeling anxious about what people think or how we come across or a bit nervous and those, that little shaping of the heart 
even allow that, be kind to that as a being, an energetic being that can be allowed. Just as a, as a practice, it's not saying we have to do that style all the time, but so that the places where we've rolled up and knotted around wounds, you know, it, 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 at some point we want to give the space so that things can soften. Allow the orphans to come up out of the dungeons and be blessed. Blessed with being listened to. We feel too spaced out when we're doing that. That's okay. Then we steady. One step. One breath. Practice relaxing with that. Pay attention. But then also practicing softening and including. May I be at ease with this? And even including the space around us, before us, with each out-breath, practicing a little out-breath of, may that which is in front of me be at ease. So we just allow that space in front of us for a moment to be included in the heart. And breathing in and allowing that space to our left to be included. Sensing what's to your left. That, that space is part of the heart and all the forms in it. Extending a little wave of not harming all that is to my left. May I peacefully coexist with that. We're breathing out, sensing all that is behind us. Whatever we can't see, maybe we're afraid of it. Just blessing it with, may that be at ease for a moment. To our right. Just extending sensing that space to our right. May I be at ease with that. All the forms to my right. Be welcomed. Above us, letting go a sense of non-harming. There is actually infinite space above us as we breathe out, extending. uh, May all that be at ease. And as we let go, letting go down below us infinitely, wave of non-harming. Above, below, and all around. Practicing being at ease with uh, not harboring ill will. The Buddha taught, actually, there's great protection in this. Because it blesses 
we'll contemplate this today. I'll finish by by reading the, the famous teaching the Buddha gave on this quality, the Metta Sutta. This is what should be done, said the Buddha, by one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. Let them be able and upright, straightforward and gentle, in speech, humble, not conceited, contented and easily satisfied, unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways, peaceful, calm, wise and skillful, not proud and demanding in nature. Let them not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove. This next passage is about the metta. Wishing in gladness and in safety may all beings be at ease. Whatever beings there may be, whether they are weak or strong, omitting none, the great or the mighty, medium, short or small, the seen and the unseen, those living near or far away, those born and to be born, may all beings be at ease. Let none deceive another or despise any being in any state. Let none through anger or ill will wish harm upon another, even as a mother protects with her life, her child, her only child. So with a boundless heart should one cherish all beings, radiating radiating kindness over the entire world, spreading upwards to the skies, downwards to the depths, outwards and unbounded, freed from hatred and ill will, whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, free from drowsiness, one should sustain this recollection. This is said to be the divine abiding. By not holding onto fixed views, the pure-hearted one, having clarity of vision, being freed from all sense desires, is not born again into this world. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.